rocket cannon out over the bay. Set it to fly out over the water, then eject? No autopilot. You could have gone anywhere, did anything. But you came back here. So did you. I guess we're both suckers. I never cared who you were. And you were right. But shouldn't the people know the hero who saved them? A hero can be anyone. Even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Welcome back. We are rising through the Batman series. Yeah, and we have risen to the top of the Nolan trilogy. We are... Our last movie before the Batman. Yeah, pretty crazy. Our last Batman movie. Right. Yeah, we, you know, we still got a couple other ones. We're going to do Joker, Catwoman, and all that. But we're here today to discuss the last solo Batman movie which came out almost 10 years ago. That's that wild. It's crazy. Oh, so this movie is kind of like a 10-year... Yeah, kind of. I knew that wasn't on purpose because it was delayed, but still. now it's kind of... Like, I, I just saw that because I don't think about it. Batman's been in the public consciousness for so long. It doesn't feel like we've been 10 years without a, a proper Batman movie, but here we are. And this doesn't feel like it came out 10 years ago, let me tell you. No, it it feels fresh still. Still does. All these do. I mean, it's very dystopian, which helps. So it kind of um, is without too much dating. Like I said, when we did The Dark Knight, like that was actually the one that was dated the most because they incorporated more technology. The sonar and stuff. I mean, this has like the fusion thing, but that's like futuristic enough that it's like fine. I do still think that Batman Begins pulled off that idea the best out of all three of these, the timelessness aspect. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, this is a close second. And we had talked about how we weren't really looking forward to watching this just because the standard set by The Dark Knight is so mind-bogglingly high that it's really hard to follow it up with anything else. But still a good watch. I, yeah, we were kind of talking about this briefly after because I think it's a great movie. Like, I think everything works, like all the plot stuff they introduced. I did have a a thought about how it could have been done differently, but um, I don't know why I was not looking forward to watching it because I really enjoyed it. I just think it's too long. It's definitely too long. And there's like a slowness to it. And I think that's on purpose. It's intentional. Like... Batman is also like slowing down like physically and like him it like it taking longer to get through the movie I feel like is a little bit of a metaphor of like we're at an older I think you're right Batman and a a fun fact about that is that all of these movies all three movies are 12 minutes longer than its predecessor Mm. which is like exactly I I yeah I mean Batman Begins is like quick yeah feels like a short movie like pop it on and then well, this one feels like a slog. Not to say that nothing happens in this movie, but like the 
the plot of Batman Begins was very much like we're we're getting to the point very quickly. They everything is set up very quickly. But in this movie, we don't see Batman in costume until like forty five minutes in. Yeah, I mean, this is a two and a half hour movie. This is, I think, this is almost Christopher Nolan's longest. I think oh no, we know, oh no no wait that's not Christopher Nolan. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say Batman. Um, not Batman versus Superman. Um, the Justice League. Oh yeah, that's yeah, not. I yeah. was no, <laughs> no, like, no. we know what his longest movie is. <laughs> Wrong Batman. Sorry. No, it's a uh, Interstellar's the longest. This is second longest. So, I mean, it's it's up there. I haven't and seen Interstellar. The, the Batman's gonna be longer than this. So really, it's three hours. Holy mackerel! We're not ready. I'm not ready. I'm My really bladder's not, not ready. Um. Well, I don't know whether to talk about this now or later, but I'll just I guess now since we're kind of talking about it. I think I was thinking about this during this feels like the fourth movie of this series and that we're missing a movie in between because they jump from all of the Harvey Dent stuff, which again, no mention of the Joker as we talked about during the dark Knight. like they kind of like erase that from the series. It's like it never happened. Um, which is like a choice. Fine. I get, they didn't really know how to handle like Heath Ledger's untimely death, but um, anyway, they, they, they're relying heavily on the Harvey Dent plot and linking it to this movie, um, which I kind of forgot about. I was thinking this was like more of a direct sequel to Batman Begins, which in had, some ways it is. We talked about that a lot right. in the Batman Begins episode, so. Um, which in some ways it still is, but they do lean on the Harvey Dent thing. And I feel like they needed a movie in between for that like eight years. And I don't think it makes sense with how the Dark Knight ends that he goes straight into retirement because I feel like it was implied that he was going to continue being Batman but not be like beloved by the community like I didn't think because they were like now we have to chase him but then he just goes into hiding yeah I'm a little bit still mixed up on the timeline because that's what I thought originally probably still true I mean this is the timeline they they set out was Harvey Dent thing happens the end of Dark Knight and then, like, presumably hasn't been seen since that day. And this movie picks up eight years later. Right. There's a line from Marion Cotillard's character, Mrs. Tate slash Talia Al Ghul, that talks about, well, it, it's in the discussion that they're having about, or is it is it Catwoman? I don't think so. It's, it's about Bruce's practiced apathy. And she mentions that, when the energy project that they were working on was shut down because I guess they couldn't figure out how to not make it into a bomb. That's when Bruce Wayne became a recluse, which would have been three and, years ago or five. Well, the paper that Dr. P Pavel wrote was three years ago. Okay. So yeah, there's, there's some time between like maybe Batman being off the streets versus Bruce Wayne the person being this hermit. Which is fine. Like, that doesn't... They didn't necessarily have to go away at the same time. In fact, I would be more suspicious if they had. I'm kind of wondering if there was a bit of time immediately following the ending of The Dark Knight where Batman was still active just to kind of follow through on what he felt was necessary. But they say he hasn't been seen since that night. But then it's like the, the thing that they've kind of established is... Harvey Dent's work had been preserved by what Batman did. And it was so successful that I guess 
he didn't need, didn't need to. to be there anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. So it was almost like a retirement, but just because of the state that he was yeah. in, I guess it's not. Uh, because I think what I was saying in the Dark Knight was it would have been nice to see Dent be set up at the end of Dark Knight, and then he would be the beginning of the next movie. And I think that they could have done that. And this movie really could have been a part one and part two. The Dark Knight Rises part one and part two, like a Harry Potter, or like Lord of the Rings or something. Like it had enough beef and they were introducing enough characters that be and it was so slow that I feel like they could have done a two-part thing with this and kept Harvey Dent in the first part so it was like connected more like the impact of this Dent act which we're just now finding out about and like I don't know yeah I agree I think if it was a director that was maybe a bit more open to that sort of thing than Christopher Nolan we could have seen that happen but I don't even think Christopher Nolan wanted to do this, let alone really? a, a fourth movie. I think this was, he had to be kind of pressed to do a third movie. I think he was almost going to be happy to leave it off with The Dark Knight. Which would have been good, right. too. Right, like perfectly fine ending. Um, I don't know, like, really the nature of it. I think he just, like, wanted a, a story idea that would be good enough, and I guess he, he deemed this good enough, because I know he co-created the story with David Goyer, who did all three of them, and he he co-wrote, like, the script with his brother, like he did for all of them. So I, I guess maybe... There was a pretty significant gap in time between The Dark Knight and this movie. They came out four years apart, so there may have been a, a short amount of time where he was deliberating over... You know, is it worth it? Especially probably after all the Heath Ledger stuff. Like, yeah. how do we go back to this? Like, the the Harvey Dent plotline is also kind of weak in this. Like, them being like, everything will be undone if they find out what Harvey Dent did. Which, in some ways, makes sense. Like, public opinion about him will go down the toilet. But I don't know if that still means, like, they're just going to automatically release everyone because he committed crimes after that. Like legally it should still stand that those people committed a crime i guess they just have to prove that it'd be like like a a mistrial sort of thing they'd have to prove that all of that stuff happened after which did but like i guess it's hard to prove yeah it really does hinge so much on this weird like cult of personality around harvey and i guess like this whole idea of like the dent act will get overturned if there's not enough public yeah want for it this is what happens when there's only like one good person in gotham well that's kind of the point yeah (laughs) it was it was kind of strange that the first scene of this movie is gordon talking about harvey dent and then it cuts to all this bane stuff no it starts with the plane no there's a really short scene in the very beginning where it's gordon like before it goes back to that scene after the plane sequence, but he's, he, the mayor is talking and he calls Gordon up Yeah, and he like gets ready to start talking and then it cuts away. I am, I am serious. Cause I was very confused. I was like, I swear to God, this movie started with the plane, but there is a very. Yeah. Cause my note says such an elaborate opening scene. Let me, maybe when we started it, it like, because we had, we had watched this a while ago on HBO Max, so maybe it, it started at another scene and then reset. But I'm, I'm going to start it because I, I thought it was very strange, kind of like a, a reminder to everybody. Okay, Griff is absolutely correct. It does start with 
him introducing or like doing a speech. Yeah. And I don't know if that is supposed to be like a continuation of the end of the dark night or if it's like maybe Gordon just doing because they have this Harvey Dent day now that they've been doing for eight years. I do years. think that is right after the dark night. I guess that's just like kind of his like funeral. Right. That, they had. that just serves right. to remind the audience where we're at. This is what we're going to be continuing off of. Yeah. Not the Joker stuff. Which honestly does make sense. Like the Joker is done tied up literally and in a bow. Like, but this is his this continuing is, impact. Yeah. The Joker's continuing impact and Harvey Dent's. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, um, so we get that the, and we, we revisit it, but we first we get this bonkers plane sequence. Really bonkers. It also reminds me of the Andrew Garfield plot with the yes. plane crash. Yeah. Yeah. Except way cooler. Because this was oh, yeah. done a lot of this was done practically. Pretty cool. The way that like they did no they were, one. you know, flying planes through whatever mountainous region this was and they had this whole complicated thing where they, they were flying this uh like Cessna or whatever over the CIA plane and they had people like jumping out of the big plane and then they like replaced the CIA plane with a prop that they were able to actually drop and like have it and crash make it into go the vertical. Yeah. And the inside, you know, we get this whole thing where the plane is like dangling from like whatever winch this is and everybody's falling and like hanging onto the seats and they filmed that inside like a flight simulator so they could yeah, just like, like do a all this jerky a movement. Bit. Yeah, really cool. And of course, we get some little finger showing up in here. You oh know. yeah. Uh, and I think at this point, I mean, he would be starting on Game of Thrones like this same year. Really, twenty twelve. Yeah, I think Game of Thrones started in like late twenty twelve, which is because I think when we were we were freshmen in college in twenty thirteen, and I remember our friends. That's when they were all. Well, yeah, I just remember like. All of our friends watching watching it, and we we were not into it at the time. Um, We came around on it later. But I never knew that this was uh, Aiden Gillen. And this scene has been memed to hell and back, so it's all I can think about now. The Bane lines. Everything. It's. It it used to be such like a. It's called Bane posting. There's a Know Your Meme page about it. Every single part of this scene. But mostly the um, the whole like if I if I take off your mask will you die? And being like it would be extremely painful. And then he's like, "You're a big guy for you." And everyone like there was like this whole thing was like, is he saying that like I'm a big guy like relative to you, or yeah. like is it painful for you? And someone on Reddit like asked Tom Hardy about it in an AMA, and it like cleared up nothing. I think it's so funny that this is Tom Hardy and then he's also Venom, which is like so different. I mean, kudos to Tom Hardy, but like, it does not feel like Tom Hardy. Like I try and look for, it's kind of like the whole thing with the joke. I'm like trying to see Tom Hardy beneath the Bane thing. And of course, like you can't see his face, but but it's, I don't know if it's it's like the, it's the voice, it's the shaved head. It's, I didn't know. He, He also put on some, some LBs for this role. He did. I didn't know Tom Hardy before this movie. He also seems taller in this than he does. He is literally wearing three inch okay. lifts. For yeah, this I was like, movie. he's not that tall. He's three inches shorter than Christian Bale, so they were like, That's you funny. can't be shorter. And Christian Bale's and be, not that tall. He's Christian Bale's six foot. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, he doesn't seem doesn't strike so me as a six. He's foot a he's tall a tall person. boy. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was funny because it's like a Robert Downey Jr. thing. Like you can't yeah. be underneath all these other people. You're yeah, supposed especially to be like Bane. This. He's supposed to be huge. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it it works, but I was thinking like he seems bigger, like taller than. Yeah, actually, you know what was Tom Hardy in Inception? He was, wasn't he? I don't remember. I don't. I didn't know who Tom Hardy was when I saw Inception. I don't think I did either. Yeah. Okay, but he was in that. But I definitely did not put two and two together because I was like, well, this guy is just this guy could be anybody. I definitely would not have thought it was him. Yeah, he's like. Is he known for Mad Max at this point, or did Mad Max come out after this? Mad Max was a couple years after. At this point, he wouldn't have been in... I feel like Tom Hardy snuck up on everybody, like, as an actor. <laughs> so he was, obviously, because he's British, he had done, like, a lot of British stuff. Nothing And, that... like, theater, I think. Yeah. But nothing that I had really seen... I do forget that he's British. Yeah, me too. But he was... I know that this movie, Bronson, that would get talked a lot about on the on the internet because that's um nicholas is it about a wrestler it's the guy that the director of drive he's like a he's like in jail and fights a lot tom (laughs) hardy seems like an actor that was an ex like wrestler or something like john cena or like a rock i mean he's like a really good actor i don't mean to take that away but like his physique just seems like at that so you hadn't seen this means war before i had it rises yeah but i don't think i like knew tom hardy i, mean, I just like, knew also like why would you think those are the same people like tom hardy was a very interesting pick for bane yeah like all of these things add up to like why like now it makes sense especially having seen mad max like yeah but i still just think like all the the lengths that they went to to like have him like like wearing these lists and like doing his voice and stuff. I guess just Nolan just really liked him. I think so. He has like his stable of actors that he likes. And so. he makes good choices. Yeah. I really like the Bane music and how it connects with the chanting yeah. in the prison. Like that's so good. And like I don't pick up on scores a lot when I'm watching movies, but this one I definitely do. And it's like so good, I think. It's a pretty unique score. Yeah, it's <laughs> not just like... You know, you notice when it's not just strings or horns yeah. or something. So, and it's like in this very beginning scene with yeah. the plane crash because your your heart is also beating like that. Like watching this movie in this scene, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. But I, I did wonder, and maybe it's just because Christopher Nolan wanted to do this scene. But like, why was it so important that we we have this like elaborate plane scene? Is it just to show? Like, how powerful Bane is, both, like, physically, but also, like, the lengths that he's willing to go for, like, whatever this plan is, which, obviously, we have no idea. I I think so. I have always thought that I like this scene for the stunts. I've always thought, like, as exposition, it's a little messy. Because I remember when I first saw it, I only saw this one in theaters twice. Okay. This was not Dark Knight status I think me. I saw it in theaters twice, too. Because the first time, I, like, couldn't focus on the movie. I, well, I didn't know if we were going to bring this up, but this movie's like tainted a little bit oh, because there was like yeah. a the shooting in Aurora at the time. And I remember seeing it like the night 
the next night and like being like kind of freaked out watching it sure. and like we had police officers like in our theaters like in every theater Man. just in case something were I, to happen my theater must have been like that too and every time someone like stood up or moved i was like oh my god what's happening and like it's a really like you and everybody else probably tense movie especially this opening scene so like i remember being very distracted watching it the first Fair. time and then i think i went back like a week later and saw it again um but fair well I uh, I just remember watching this and being like, this stunt is super cool. I don't know what the fuck is happening. Like the whole thing with the the blood transfusion and stuff, I think that went completely over my head when I first watched it. And that's probably I just think on in me. a good way. Like it's good on a rewatch to be like, oh wow, they like did all this stuff. And yeah. they mentioned Pavel early on being like there was this nuclear scientist and it and then Marie um, Ms. Tate says he died six months ago. Like, I don't know if I picked up on any of that. I don't think, no. And like, obviously wasn't connecting Tate to any of this, but just like, even that she mentioned him and we were supposed to know that that was Dr. Pavel from the very beginning. Even yeah. though they say the names and sure. everything. I mean, it's, it's a, all right there. It's very intricate. Over so in that way, it's a really good movie on a rewatch. Yeah. I do think I like it. I, I did think it was like a little messy at, at, at first, but... That's fine. Um, I still think it's like too elaborate and too long for this movie. Like if we were going to shorten some of this movie, like we could have done a, could cut a couple minutes. Yeah. From this, right. Like done a different scene to just establish Bane and, and make you think he's like in charge. Because right. like that's the other crux of this movie is you have to believe that Bane is the one pulling the strings and right. making the decisions. I got to say though, like in terms of Bane being like this physically intimidating person, not just him as an individual, but when we in that scene, when it pulls out and, you know, we're on this CIA plane, normal sized, like private plane. And then we pull out and there's this gigantic fucking jet flying over them. I remember being like, what is going on? Because I was like, I'm my sizes must be mixed up because that plane is like 10 times as big as this other one. And it's the one that the mercenary owns. So that kind of gives you an idea of like this dude is not just like acting on his own. He's got like a full army oh, yeah. with him. I got to say though, I do like Bane. I think the voice should have been something else. It, I, I don't know if that's like sacrilegious to say or what, but his whole like thing kind of to me undercuts some of his threateningness. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it, it, it is still threatening. I, Watching it now, I feel like it's distracting. At the time, it didn't bother me. I think it's more now because it's been, I guess, like memed or whatever. I I think it, uh, probably yeah, a little bit meme. But I just remember like watching this and being like, "What is this accent?" Like it was very distracting because it's not Tom Hardy's accent. It's like this very like put upon voice. I also think like <laughs> this might be just embarrassing for me. At the time. I don't think I noticed the accent or whatever. And people were like making fun of it later, like especially because this came out right before we went to college. And that Halloween that we were in college or freshman year, like a lot of people went as Bane and they were like doing the voice. And I was like, what are they doing? Like, I didn't really notice his like the voice being put on so much when I watched it. Like it wasn't a big deal to me, I guess. And like that was like the least of my worries with watching. Sure, that movie. it doesn't it doesn't like make or break the movie for me. It's whatever. I am just happy that you can actually hear him because I remember when they put out a trailer 
It was either the trailer or they put out like a full scene, like this scene, before the movie came out. And you could not understand a word that Bane was saying because it was so muffled. Yeah. And I think Christopher Nolan like wanted to do that, but people were like, we literally cannot understand these words. I know, like, I think Christopher Nolan has this weird thing about sound mixing because I remember that was a problem when Tenet came out. People were like, you cannot hear what the people are I saying. I hate movies like that. And that happens for other characters in this movie too. There's that scene later where... Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Blake, is talking to Gordon in his apartment, mm-hmm. and he's talking about like the structures failing him. And I remember in the in the movie theater that he's like talking, and like the music is like swelling, and I was sitting there being like, I need subtitles. I really need. Maybe subtitles. that's why I noticed the music so much in this because it's super loud. It's so loud. I thought you meant you can understand Gordon in the hospital. That too. Yeah. Yeah. No, Gordon. But that's a little bit more on purpose because he's yeah, like he's like mumbling. struggling to talk. No, the other one, I was just like, okay, I, I'll watch this again with subtitles. Um, yeah. So we got Bane, and then we have uh, Christian Bale, who is giving Bruce is giving off really big um, beast vibes from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> he's like standing up in his little castle, looking Silhouetted down at everyone in the moonlight. Yeah. No one can see him. I mean, they are literally making jokes. They're like, he's all grizzled and like messed up and stuff. Like he's, he has a cane, which is just... The cane is aggressive, <laughs> but I mean, I guess he needs it because it sounds like he is... He has no <laughs> cartilage in his knees. He's like, what? How old is he supposed to be in this movie? Like 40, maybe? Maybe like late 30s? Well, we tried to figure out his age. I'm going to say mid to late him. 30s or 40 max. With the body of, like, an 80-year-old because he's been through so much shit. I mean, it's been, like, 13 years that he's been since Batman started, I think. Something Maybe like contextually. Because so, I think they said he was, like, Batman for, like, five years or something. Something like that. That seems like a fair number. Yeah, I'm going to say mid-30s. So he's clearly... I would say late 30s. Not doing great for that for that age range. Um, Yeah. And we get our introduction to Catwoman. Yeah. And, well, Catwoman and this is, like, an introduction. I guess these come these other characters come after that. The well, new, like, political beforehand. figures. Yeah, we just get, like, all these new people. We get the new police guy, whose name I'm forgetting, the one that we hate. Oh, yeah. Um, we get Daggett. We get Mrs. Right. Tate. I think that's... We have the same it. mayor. Yeah. minor guy. I think that's it for now. But yeah, they're just like, all right, here's all these these new supporting cast members. Ben Mendelsohn is always a great choice. I thought he was excellent as Daggett. He just plays like these kind of weaselly characters very well. The um, other guy's name is Foley. Foley, yeah. So, and we, we get like a bit of this backstory that Gordon's wife has left him. Yeah, that's sad. And moved to Cleveland. With the kids. So... Like Cleveland exists. Honestly, good for her. Get yeah, out of get Gotham. Get the fuck out of Gotham. Like, please. Gordon, like, go be a police officer in Cleveland. A bit more laid back, I hope. I mean, they do a really good job of putting Gordon into context in this movie because they're like, he hasn't stopped fighting and, like, everything's going well in Gotham, but he's not acting like it. And it's because he's got some internal struggle going on. Definitely. I'm still mad that the mayor was going to fire him, though. Like, come on, man. Yeah. He deserves better than that. 
Just like promote him to a I position mean, he was where he doesn't resign. have to do anything. Yeah, that's true. But that's on his terms. The mayor should be thanking him. He wasn't doing shit. He took a bullet for you, man. Yeah, but he's like not doing well. Definitely he's not. He's unwell. So. We're, everyone in this movie is unwell, except for Catwoman. She's doing great. Not really. No, but. she's super unwell. Yeah. But um, yeah, how do we how do we feel about Anne Hathaway as Catwoman? I have compli- complicated feelings about this. Tell me more about that. I think her introduction's great, and I love this scene. I don't like her Batman voice. Like, she puts on a voice for Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, she does. And I hate it. It's, I don't uh, know what... I think she, she was given bad direction here and given horrible lines. Um, The dialogue in this movie is trash. They wrote the dialogue to have one-liners or whatever because i think the dark knight ended up having so many like quotable moments they wrote it feels like they wrote this movie to just have one-liners they wrote it to have the one-liners which i feel like the other ones they wrote well and the one-liners became one-liners because they were just like good lines and people picked up on that but like this movie has a lot of bad like jokes or like attempts at jokes and just like something wasn't something was off. And I was like, did somebody else like work on this script? No, as far as I can tell, it's still Christopher and Jonathan Nolan. So I don't know what happened here. Like, I think Anne Hathaway does a really good job of like acting as somebody else, like being Catwoman and being like, oh, I'm the damsel in distress. Like she does a really good job of yeah. showing that she is performing this character to get money or whatever. Like, I think she's really strong there. I think she's weak as just being Catwoman. Yeah. I would probably agree with like, that. It seems like she's just trying too hard. Yeah. And then like, she's given these like super dramatic lines. Like the whole trailer was based on her line being like, there's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. And that doesn't make any sense for this movie. Why her character is referencing basically a revolution coming in when the whole point of this movie is that it's like Bane and Tate that are the ones causing like a storm. Like why would her character and her like circle of like, I guess for lack of a better word, like criminals be like aware of like this storm rising. So I actually think that like she is talking about something completely different. And she has no idea about the Bane stuff. But then, like, Keely says, which I'm going to call her Keely. She is Keely. Um, like, says, like, remember, this is what you wanted. A storm is coming. Like. So I think what, when she's, like, talking about a storm is coming, they had an opportunity to do something really cool. Because she's, like, things are going badly for, like, all of us. Like, but, the like, criminals like, of God. Not even the criminals. Just, like, people. Like but she's like at people. this party with like all the billionaires yeah. and like the upper echelon of Gotham who are like, we're doing great. Like everything's good. Cause like we're insulated from all the bullshit. And like, we talked about like the class like relations yeah. in Gotham and how fucked up it is. Like how weird it is that like Bruce is like, this could be philanthropist does put some of his money towards good stuff, but also goes out and beats up people in the streets instead of, you know, using his money to do greater good. You could argue that he does both, but still. Um, And I thought that that had, like, some interesting implications for all of this. But, yeah, it it becomes nothing. And having, like, I don't, the whole thing with Keely being, like, this is what you want. It's like, no, it's it's not. And I think 
Catwoman realizes that. That's like, fine. this is not what I'm about. But that's just like a, I feel like the trailer thing, just like a misdirect. I feel like they like had that line and they're like, all right, this is cool. But even her saying that line to him, I feel like. It seemed like it should have been something else. Or like show that people were more than just her were unhappy and that there was like, like Gotham was primed for a revolution, like from people in Gotham rather than happening to the people in Gotham because I think all of those mercenaries been. were brought in. Like those weren't citizens of Gotham. I think that would have been way better if Bane had like rallied the people yeah. being like, this is what Gotham And is. maybe a couple people joined him, right. but like we don't even see that. But like, yeah, using Bane using the people of Gotham as a weapon against like the upper class would have been way more effective. And it would have like... Which we do see that one scene of like them going through like all of the rich people's stuff and like basically kicking out all of the rich people and like being put on trial by the people, AKA Scarecrow. Like there is like that element in there, but it's, it's not hit they, home enough. I always say that they don't, some movies like don't commit to like this theme enough, but this one definitely didn't commit. I think it would have been, it would have worked better for the story. It had the potential to be like some interesting commentary because this would have come out around the same time as like Occupy Wall Street. And that I had that thing. note about Occupy Wall Street. Is this at this like which came first? Um. Well, one was I think like the big Occupy yeah, Wall Ocu Street thing. Occupy Wall Street would have been like full swing like around 2012, I think. So I didn't know if it was a reaction in some parts to this movie. I don't know. I'm sure that there's plenty of stuff out there compared. There has to be like, it was, even if it wasn't, um, you know, leaning as far into those themes as it could have been, the, the relationship is definitely there. Because the other thing, and I was just trying to find like where I was writing this in my notes, but like Bane just feels like, like the libertarians, like God, like <laughs> yeah. libertarians love Bane and what he stands for. And I feel like that was also at the crux of Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was rolling my eyes about it. We also get this pre, we love a, we love a Michael Caine story. Michael Caine. And he says this thing about going to, uh, Florence. Florence every year hoping to see Bruce living his life and not coming back to Gotham. And I just love that story. And like, I like it's even though it's a little corny and a little like we're planting this story early on. Like I love it. I love that they do it and it's cute. It's some goodwill hunting shit. Yeah. It ben is. Affleck's like, I go by your house every day and every day I hope you're not there. Yeah. Cause you left and you went on to do better things. Yeah, oh, totally. Really great ref Griff. And also he has that line, Alfred has like a line being like, you guys should exchange notes over coffee when he's talking about Selena. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, That's a foreshadowing. And I mean, the crux of, I guess, his story and his character arc in this is like, you're never going to be happy in Gotham, a.k.a. you're never going to be happy as Batman. Right. Like Gotham is now just Batman. There is no Bruce Wayne in Gotham, kind of. Like it's a very toxic relationship that he has with the city. And it's not gonna he's never gonna be able to like resolve it. Because it's never gonna get to the point where he can comfortably live there and I mean, I think it's even a stretch to say that he could just like peace out uh and like not like worry does. about it. I'm sure he does. Like I'm sure it's still ongoing, but like there's if, if there's a slim chance of it happening when he's left Gotham, there's a 0% chance that he could stay there and not 
you know, eventually yeah. kill himself trying to fix everything. We also saw what it was like when he wasn't Batman and living there. Like, he couldn't live with himself Yeah, as Bruce. Yeah, and it's not great. Because he hates himself. Big time. Well, getting back to uh, just where we're at right now, I agree with you about Catwoman. I like the character, and I, I really like Anne Hathaway, but there is some weakness to it. And I think the, uh, like, somewhat antagonistic relationship that they have early in the movie. I prefer to like her just kind of being Batman's partner, like at the end of it, like helping with the bomb and stuff. It just, it doesn't seem like, I don't know much about Catwoman, but you know, like the, the it's dark no Knight. Michelle Pfeiffer. No, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't think they were trying cause that uh, was absolutely, that not. would have been a failure, but yeah, it's just a different interpretation of the character, I guess. Like she's reformed so quickly and easily by right. him. I don't really buy that. Maybe I mean, she does, like, turn him in, like, three times. Right. Turn so, against him, I guess. I, I do think her best moment was when she gets, um, what's his name, picked up by the police. And when they come in to, like, raid the bar and she, like, starts screaming. Yeah. Like he said, like, her acting is, like, the damsel in distress is so good. I love that. And then we get, um, this is around the time that Blake first appears on the scene, isn't it? Um... Yeah, well, one quick note kind of leading into that is um, so much sewer business. I feel like we're getting a penguin set up. Is anyone else feeling that? Total penguin vibes. Yeah, they spend so much time in the sewers. Um, I'm just saying, like, now that this whole sewer system has been established, next movie, penguins coming back. I cannot imagine... Am I right? A Nolan penguin. I mean, I guess... You know, we'll see what uh, the Batman's. I could see is it like. happening in the Batman. Well, he's in it, so. Wait, really? Yeah. I thought it was all about the Riddler. There's other characters. It's a uh, Colin Farrell. What? And he doesn't. The cute one. Yeah, the cute one. He doesn't look anything like Colin Farrell. Oh no. Okay. Um, the whole idea of Bane just like chilling out in the sewers the whole time just makes me laugh. It's like his grand plan. I mean, they have a pretty nice room in the sewers. Yeah. They have a, wa- they have also, a water he feature. lived in a pit for most of but his life. But he's great. Maybe it's all the other guys then. They're like, do we, like, why, why? Keep a low prof. Sure, they're chilling. They're, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, well, they're not drinking the sewer water, I hope. Yeah, so we get Joseph Gordon-Levitt, JGL in my notes, who is perfection, the best part of this movie. Even though the business, like, with him leading the anti-revolution is probably my least favorite part of the movie, he's so good in this. Yeah. I think people have feelings on him. Really? They don't like him? I don't think people liked the Robin thing. Maybe less everything else, more just like... I was so obsessed with that. I was so excited when he says it at the I mean, so was I, and I still still like it. I also love that he knows that it's Bruce the entire time. And yeah. I like this whole like kindred spirits. Like I see through you because I, I, I am you an orphan. Yeah. No, I, I think he's a great asset to this movie and Bruce needed someone like that to kind of ground him. Like, cause I feel like all the people that he was surrounded by otherwise, like had all this like baggage about like knowing what Bruce and Batman had been through before. But Blake's just here being like, hey, like, I know, like, your struggle because I've lived it and no one else in your life has lived it. Really. Yeah. 
I also like that he has like the Gordon element to him in the beginning and then how he like disassociates himself from that. And then if they had done a movie with him, it makes sense for him to be the world's greatest detective because he is a detective in this movie. And yeah. so like if he was to p- take up the mantle as the new Batman or as Robin, I guess, like it plays with that whole greatest detective thing. Right. Um, I always like try to imagine Blake as Batman, and that's a little weird to me. Mostly, like a Joseph Gordon-Levitt Batman is like very hard for me to envision. He's the perfect Robin, though. He's yeah, he's a great Robin. But like, how do Get you that man some tights? How do you be Robin when there's no Batman? I guess right. he, he can just go straight to Nightwing and yeah. do his thing. Maybe that's what he does. Do you think he's also gonna like work at the? Wayne Manor. Yeah, because that's his cover of getting into the cave all the time. Right, duh. He doesn't have to swing through a waterfall every time he wants to check out the Batcave. Great use of Wayne Manor. I mean, we'll get there later, but... And then our other, like, great asset character to this movie is Marion... Marion Cotillard. Cotillard. Miss Tate, Talia. Um, so great. So great again on a rewatch to see her character and some of the lines she says, cause she has like a line where she's talking about like how important, basically like talking about climate change and being like, we need to restore the balance. And like, that's such a good clue early on, like her using that phrase restore balance is exactly what, uh, Ra's al Ghul says. Yeah. But it's like subtle enough oh, yeah. that you wouldn't catch it the first time. I think this the twist is very good. I would be shocked if, if people got it. There were I I look, looked up a bit of stuff and um, I think she even Marion Cotillard commented like before this movie came out being like I'm not playing Talia Al Ghul guys. She was like I have a very 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 small part, Love which it. is like so sneaky. But like she Christopher and Nolan Garfield went to the same school. Actually, yeah, <laughs> for the press. <laughs> Christopher Nolan like delayed the production of this entire movie to make sure that she could be in it. I mean, she was, she was perfect. She was pregnant like around the same time, and she mm-hmm. like was filming this like a month after she had her baby, and I think she was filming something in France at the same time. So she was flying back and forth. Insane. But, I mean, like, she's, she's so good. She's another of like Christopher Nolan's like go tos because yeah, she, she was in Inception. In she was incredible. Yeah. I also love her, like, ending outfit because yeah. it has, like, a very, like, wink to, like, a ninja type thing because yeah. it's, like, a, I don't know how to describe that shirt that she's wearing, but it kind of crosses over, like. Yeah. It has the League of Shadows look to it. Yeah. Um, oh, that was going to be my other thing about Bane when we were talking about his accent. I forgot to say this, is that that character of Bane should have like a Middle Eastern accent or something like not like it's American. I mean, it's a weird voice, but it's like American or something. It's like a British. It's some sort of British. I said he like based it off a particular person. But he's British. Isn't he? Tom Hardy? Yeah. Yeah. But But it's it's not, not that's not how he talks. No, he based it on like somebody else's British accent. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. That's not like a real accent. I don't think anybody, yeah. nobody. Well, really, there's not, I don't, we still don't really know where the prison is, which I have a lot of questions about. I, <laughs> uh, I can't think too much about that. It falls apart a bit. Um, um sorry. Tri- triumphant return of the piano entrance to the Batcave. I just got to say, cause we all remember, I was like, I miss this. We don't see it in the dark night. Molly's like, that's because the, the mansion gets burnt down. But Hey, 
He said he was going to build it brick, brick by brick, exactly the way it was. And by gosh, he did. And that is all. Um, I had another question about Selena, Kyle's character. Um, does she know that he's Batman? Because it seems like she's surprised when Bane says Bruce Wayne. But, like, they keep talking about, like, his friend. And I guess she just assumes that Bruce knows him. But it also felt like maybe she did know because she says... I don't know. Their conversations are so coded. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think she canonically does. Canonically, she the, does, but it feels like she kind of knows. It feels like she should, but I guess not. I guess she doesn't really connect those dots. The The novelization of this movie, because like every... I always forget that like all these movies, like all the MCU movies and stuff too have novels. Star Wars. And um, they... That's not always... It's not always like canon or exactly the same, but that is like emphasizes that uh she realizes her mistake when she delivers him to bane and he's like mr wayne so yeah i mean her face says like she doesn't know but then like when they're having these like weird conversations her and bruce i'm like what is happening i think like all the stuff like with the storm and stuff and i think that's just like her being like you're rich and you're the rob all your shit (laughs) not like batman has nothing to do with it we had this moment where Alfred decides to explain all of Bane's backstory to Bruce. He's like, let me tell you about this guy. Because, you know, we, we know who Bane is. I mean, is. it's not for no reason. He asks him to look right. up who Bane is. I know it's not, like, apropos of nothing. But I do think, I don't know how I feel about, like, Alfred just being the one to, like, tell us all of this stuff about Bane. It's very much like... Like, it's not shown. It's just told. But not really. I mean, I disagree because we get this short version from Alfred to be like, he's a mercenary, blah, blah, blah. But then we get the what we think is the real story when he goes down to the pit of despair, as I call it in my notes. Um, but then that's still not really the real story. So I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't know what the problem I guess is. It just felt because he's like the one with just, the intel. I know. I know he has. I know he has the intel. It to me it just it felt like an exposition dump, which I just didn't really like. It kind of felt like to me the movie was like, oh yeah, you guys don't know all this stuff about Bane yet, so we're just gonna like give it to you. It now. felt very short. I felt like it was it just was, a line not, or something. I'm not saying it was long. It just it felt odd to me that it was like we're gonna deliver like the important like motivation slash like connection stuff just like through this short scene it's fine like i don't i don't dislike it i don't know it just like when i was watching it, i was like oh like we're just like unloading all this stuff now like i don't know it just it seemed like bane was like supposed to be this mysterious figure and of course like bruce and alfred would be able to dig up the dirt on it it just seemed like it should have been coming from someone with a closer connection to him or something i don't know but like in this movie who would that be right because we so do get the like, close connection later i guess it's out of necessity i don't know it just felt weird to me my other thought on Bane, I guess this is at the same part where we're getting the idea that he was excommunicated from Ra's al Ghul, which I guess to your point, like it kind of would make sense that Christian Bale or Bruce Wayne would already know who Bane is because he was like supposedly high up or like learning In all the about League. the League of Shadows. But um, 
I still buy that, like, Michael Caine would get, like, a rough, like, outline of who this person is. Because they still don't really know. They're like, we know his name is Bane. And, like, this, like, these three things, we have these three facts about him. Um, Which, actually, the facts that he gives us are true. It's the stuff later that we find out is mis- Right, character. right. Yeah, there's like a couple of vague things that change the story very much. Like, he was in the prison, he was in the League of Shadows, he was excommunicated, which is the stuff that yeah, uh, yeah. Alfred says. Um, I think that, speaking of being in the League of Shadows, Bane is, like, too big to be a ninja. Like he That dude could not... He's not subtle. There's no subtlety. He's, yeah. like, this hulking... Like a beast. Like it uh, makes sense to me that he wouldn't stick it out in the League of Shadows. Like he's not sneaky. He's not stealthy. He doesn't like fight like in a way that's supposed to be like. That's not how they would teach you in the League of Shadows. I do think he is stealthy in some ways because like when they do their big fight scene in the sewer and the lights go out, he like knows where Bruce is and yeah. But he, he likes to hit like a truck. Well, yeah, and, like, he the, is a truck. The back breaking thing, like that's not. They yeah. didn't teach him that. Yeah. But he was like, "I'm a strong boy. Like, why would I not do it?" <laughs> also, like he learned to fight, like again in like a prison. Right. So. <laughs> um. Also, this is just like a side note throughout we the whole time we see Bane. I feel like maybe his vest is too tight because he keeps putting his hands does, underneath. He does, like, like he's hold, like, oh god, it's so tight. Like I gotta get it's this itchy. necktie off. Um, so I just think maybe get a looser fitting vest. <laughs> that is funny though. I've always noticed that he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands, so I'm just gonna kind of hook him around. Like a couple this. people do that actually. Like I saw, like a couple of the police officers also do that. What's that like, all about? I don't know. It's like Christopher Nolan being like, uh, here, just like do that. If you don't know what to do with them, that's funny. What's the head cop guy's name? It was Foley. Uh huh. Man. He has this line where he's like, I'm going to do what Gordon never could. I'm going to take down the Batman. And like when we were watching it, you were like, he didn't want to do it. Like, of course he never took down the Batman. Why would he? I'm like, this guy, I hate him so much. Yeah. So then we get, well, during all of that or right before that, we get the stock market Mm -hmm. thing, which also similar to the plane thing feels so complicated. And like that was kind of part of my thought process was like, well, we think it's Bane at this point in the movie. Like, Bane feels like such a complicated villain with, like, this plan, even more than the Joker. But I would guess, like, if we actually saw the Joker putting together his plans, it would also feel, like, super complicated. But the way that this movie differs from The Dark Knight is, like, the Joker stuff just happens, and we're like, whoa, how did he do that? Like, and that's kind of the mystery of the Joker. But with the Bane stuff, we see how it's happening and see how he's doing it. And, like, that's not, like, the mystery we find out later is, you know, right. that it's somebody else pulling the well, strings. Yeah. But, and that's I true, though. That's I mean, that's that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, you're totally right. Because, like, if we had seen, like, Joker, like, claims that he doesn't, like, have scheme or plan, but, like, he totally, well, no, he, he says he's to. a schemer. But he says do he doesn't I have, seem like, like, a guy with a plan? Like, yeah, you do have a plan. You probably have, like, a, a flow chart being like, well, if this doesn't work, then I'll go blow up these fairies. And if the fairy doesn't work, then I'm going to have Harvey Dent, like, unleash havoc. Like, you yeah. know, like, he's got stuff up his sleeve. But, yeah, Bane seems like he's he's going about it, like, very methodically. 
He's got like a crew of people to make sure that like everything goes according to plan. Yeah, it's it's a different take on it. And it does come across as being like Bane himself is this mastermind. Yeah, even though he's like kind of like this brute. It's like, oh, we're messing with the stock market. We're taking down planes. Like it all feels very strategic, but he doesn't seem like a strategic type of guy. Yeah. And like in some ways he's not, but like I don't know. I think I think it's interesting that play like putting it on its yeah. head a little bit. Yeah. And obviously our other version of Bane that we saw in cinema was <laughs> um you could say extremely not different. A, not even not even like comparable. Just some guy who speaks like once. God, what a what a time. I mean, I'm sure that uh the the Bane in the comics is like bigger than the Hulk. Like he's comically large. Muscles are like bursting out. Like the the scene in the comics where Bane breaks Batman's back is like completely the stylized it's it's stylized so comic booky that I, I'm sure people were like, How are they gonna make this work? And I'm sure when people saw Tom Hardy's Bane for the first time, they were like, There's no way, like this doesn't make any sense. Okay, but this leads us to The Chase. And this is the first time that we see Batman. Uh, I had it clocked as 49 minutes in when we see Batman not on the motorcycle, him standing on the freeway. And it's good to see him back. The cape does seem like a, a hazard on the motorcycle. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to no have capes. the cape, then... Well, if you're not going to listen to Edna Mode, then you have to cover the wheels at least. Because it's just it seems like an accident waiting to happen. Like, you're going to go through all this trouble, and then you're just going to, like break your neck because your cape got stuck in your motorcycle wheel. You don't want to go out like that, Bruce. I mean, it doesn't. So I guess he knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, triumphant return. We have to have a car chase scene. It's a Batman movie. Yeah. This doesn't quite live up to the Dark Knight's one, of course, because what could, but still pretty cool. Everybody loves the Bat motorcycle. Um, and we, you know, later on we get the the new bat vehicle oh the bat the bat in this scene oh yeah it's at the end of the scene right um but we i thought just gordon levitt trolling foley the entire movie which is i mean like great. like foley knows he's wrong to like want to do it like it's just like a for like the sake of his own ego but you know he's he's in there worried about taking down batman and Blake is like, but what about like the guys that just took hostages and robbed the stock exchange? And he like has no response. Yeah. Cause he well, knows he's like, he's... Oh, just a robber versus the Batman. Yeah. Like focus up, man. I don't know why we have Foley in this movie though. Like, I, I think he's supposed to be like a foil to Gordon. Yeah. I guess like, oh, and Joseph Gordon Levitt. Right. Yeah. But it's just like, Cause he's kind of like replaced Gordon's role from the dark Knight, like being out like on the field and you know, like in this world where there is no Batman too, like he's a moving up the ranks and right without Batman. And it's just supposed to be like Gordon is presented as this figure who outdated he's outdated, but like despite the corruption of the Gotham city police department, he's like managed to like do his job and he had to like reckon with like 
what it meant to be working alongside Batman and like he and he was them. the ones who like he dealt with that and he managed the situation. And now we have this guy who doesn't really get what Gordon was doing. And he was like, he was too weak to do this. So I have to do it. And he just, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And he sucks. And we all hate him. Yeah. He has like a redemption death. I still felt bad when he died. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause we, we saw his wife. He didn't really, we didn't need that. He didn't need to be there. Like, well, I, that was I guess the he, point. he, he helped rally the troops. Yeah, I mean... And that he wore it, his dress blues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a good moment. It was. I was going to talk about that later, though. Um, I'm at the breakup. And by breakup, I mean Alfred and Bruce. Yeah, that was... Also, well, this... Not this part, I guess, but, like, later when... With the back-breaking scene... That feels like where we could have ended part one. Yeah, that would have been a, a good stopping point. Have him be like the, the Empire Strikes Back ending and then we'll we'll bring it back later and we'll get his redemption and whatnot. But yeah, this kind of is like the the Batman versus Bane first fight happens. and There's an hour and a half left in the movie, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, but I did kind of skip ahead there. But I for some reason, my notes, that's where I had the this is the fourth movie and we're missing one kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, are you at like this? Yeah, scene? yeah. This was, this was really quite devastating. Yeah. And again, like I brought this up in the dark night. Like, I don't know what Alfred wants. Like, do you want him to be Batman? Do you want him to give it up? Because you told him not to give it up last movie. But then while writing my notes, I came to my own conclusion that I was like, I think he just knows when to fold him. <laughs> and yeah. he wants him to live without Batman but like happy and he's like, you're not capable of doing that. Yeah. I think. He, and you're going after Bane for the wrong reasons. Exactly. I think he, his, his feelings on Bruce being Batman for any given amount of time is flexible depending on the situation. And I do think that to Alfred in the dark night, like giving up his identity was the wrong choice for that situation. But now he knows that, Bruce is going after it. Yeah. For the wrong reasons. And he knows that like, he has no sense of like self preservation. And he's like, I just have to do this. And like, I don't really care what happens. And Alfred's like, I know that this isn't going to work out like the way you want it to. Like, you're just not, you're not ready. Like you're physically unable to do yeah. what you did. Like it's been eight you years. Haven't been like, work you haven't been doing your pushups in eight years. Right. Like, who are we kidding? Like you can't do this. And he's realizing that, Bruce can't move on because he can't be with Rachel because Rachel died, which in reality he can't be with Rachel because she didn't want to be with him. And now he's holding on to that guilt and made a permanent decision by burning a letter rather than maybe putting it in a safety deposit box or something. I don't even think it was. I don't, if, I just don't know had, if he should have told him. Even if he had burnt the letter. I mean, I think, I think he needed to hear it where he was at. Like when he was like, when he was making that excuse being like, I can't move on. Cause like Rachel was going to wait for me. Like that was, if that's what he's been holding on to for eight years, then no, yeah. like he, he's got to let it go. But I feel like he threw it in his face. He definitely Michael did. Kane did. It wasn't, I don't think, um, Alfred would have been proud of 
how he brought it up in that moment. I think he was getting frustrated with Bruce. I feel like he had been frustrated with Bruce for yeah. a very long time. And he's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to let you fucking do this anymore. Yeah. And it could have been done with a bit more grace. But I, I think Bruce needed to hear it. But I do think Alfred could have taken any of that time in the past eight years, maybe a couple years after the Dark Knight, when Bruce wasn't like a total shut in wreck and just gently told him then. Easier said than done. But Bruce was like really like things were already really ramping up for him at this point, just like with Bane moving in. And I don't think he he didn't want to hear it now. He would never want to hear it. But this was a particularly bad time for it. What do you think about like half of this movie is without Alfred? Thematically, I think it makes sense because this is like really, I think a, a lot of what happens in the second half of this movie is Bruce reckoning with his like own decisions and what his life has been post the dark Knight, and Alfred had provided so much stability, but also kind of like to some extent maybe enabled like his uh, definitely well, not enabled. like, yeah, but he was, <laughs> Yeah, definitely enabling this weird, like, the hermit lifestyle that he had had for a while. And Alfred being gone is, like, a symbol of, like, this is not, this is not working anymore, and no one is going to help me, so, like, I have to, like, kind of go back to, like, the the life I was leading before, even though I don't really like it, and I'm not sure I can, but at the same time, I'm sad that there is no Alfred for this half of the movie. Yeah, and also, like, in every movie, he had stakes. There were people that he could lose, and now he the only person he can lose is himself. Yeah, and I, that, that <laughs> makes the, the decisions that Bruce makes, like, so much more. He's like, well, I just, like, what do I, I'm not protecting Alfred die. anymore. Yeah. Like, fuck it, I'm just going to go do it. Um, the other thing is that works thematically is it is a, a perfect callback to Batman Begins where the whole beginning of that movie is him on his own searching for something and discovering Batman and then returns home to Alfred. And so this is kind of the reverse engineering of that, but it's back to like, I need to do this journey on my own. Yeah. Like you're saying, like he can't have the stability. Yeah. Um, but I do miss him. And, and, and we don't like get anything like we don't get Fox giving him stuff like we it is just like him dealing with it on his own. And um, I mean, obviously, there's the two guys in the prison, but they're not like <laughs> something. No, I, I think a lot of it was probably because the Dark Knight was like there was obviously the stuff with Bruce and Rachel and stuff, but that was very much like that was not like a deep dive. I know that that term is out of vogue into Bruce as the person Bruce, like what Batman begins was very much like a personal story. I think they wanted to intentionally like bring it back to like, yes, there's all this stuff with like Wayne enterprises and all these supporting characters, but like, we're going like, to really drill down into the struggle that Bruce has been going through for so long Yeah, because he needs that. And he can't, he can't just like keep, you know, leaning on all these people because it's all this stuff with Alfred enabling him. It's also like Fox, you know, he knows that things aren't going well for Wayne Enterprises. 
but clearly he hasn't been pushing it very much because Bruce didn't know any of this stuff. Like, Lucius probably should have come to him way before this and been like, hey, we're not making any fucking right. money. So it's it's kind of like a lesson being like, I can't ignore all of my problems. I have to I have to deal with this. Probably not in the healthiest way. Probably shouldn't have, <laughs> you know gone out with such like a sense of I can die while doing this like fuck it but if it's what he needed to do if he needed to end up in the pit you know he really did he needed to hit rock bottom and this is like a whole the whole pit is I mean and literally rock bottom several times yes there's like a thing from the comics called the Lazarus pit which I think Raz al Ghul uses to like stay immortal and they're like these glowing green pits in the ground. And it's like if you, you go into it and it like drives you like temporarily insane, but you come out like your like life force has been rejuvenated and stuff. And this is That's very a Bible much reference because Lazarus is brought back from the dead. Well, there you go. And I think this is very much like the Nolan, like, quote unquote, realistic interpretation of that. Like you go down into it. And you learn about yourself and you rebuild your strength. Rise, and you, yeah, rise. You rise, because Pasha, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I'm not quite there yet. I did want to talk about Ms. Tate. Talia. Yes. Let's, talk. We get her, Let's talk Talia. We get her scene in, with him. In right. Their, their little fireside. Mm. Uh, this feels very Michael Keaton, Batman, Bond girl moment. Yes. It was, I, I was thinking Bond a lot. Um, Mostly because I think we've said before, but uh, Wayne Manor, especially with the power cutoff, gives me some Skyfall vibes. Yeah. Um, but this, I feel like there's some juicy lines in here on a rewatch again, like trying to decipher her character, her toying with Bruce kind of, but like also trying to just figure out like what she's saying. And I did have... I bumped on one thing that she says. And well, actually, this is a little bit before. This is when he's like giving her the access to the reactor. Oh, yeah. And she says this line about like, um, why don't you, why can't we still use it? Like, you have to trust people. And then he says, why well, trust you? But like her saying like, you have to trust people and like trust space. She's like saying you have to trust the people of Gotham, which her her dad's whole thing was like, you can't trust the people of Gotham. They can't be trusted, which is why they have to be destroyed. And like, I don't know if she's just saying that because she knows like, she also agrees like you can't trust the people of Gotham and she's like fucking with him. Or she is saying like, you should trust the people. And like, that's like the whole point of the revolution kind of. <sighs> she's, mm. I feel like that line is probably like just more of a attempt to establish like this philanthropic personality that she's trying to present to Bruce being like, I'm the one that wants like the clean energy and like, I just like want what's best for Gotham and mm -hmm. trying to like appeal to that sense of like, I want you to like, yeah, like move beyond just like caring about like people in your class and like, yeah, like extend this, graciousness to like everybody but i i think she's full of shit i don't think she actually thinks that i i disagree i think that she's written in a way that you're supposed to take all of her lines at face value that like 
she's not she's never lying to Bruce about anything. Like she has always been clear about who she is, and it's only on a rewatch that you actually realize what she's saying, because that feels like a very villain type of thing that like Christopher Nolan would do. Is like no, she's not. She's never like misled yeah. Bruce by what she's saying. Just you're like probably, the way she wants to go about it is like not clear. Maybe I don't know. I, I do think you're probably right because. Yeah, that's something no one would definitely do is, like, everything has a double meaning, but it's technically, yeah. like, not. <laughs> yeah, she's never bullshitting, totally. Yes, yeah, so we have this line that she says, Bruce, if you want to save the world, you have to start trusting it. So how could we, how could we take that from Talia al Ghul's perspective? Like, what would that mean for someone from the League of Shadows to be... <laughs> Like, it doesn't make sense because, like, the whole thing with League of Shadows is that they feel like they have to intervene because people can't be trusted. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pro- I am looking too deep into that, but that was the line that st- stuck out to me the most when, like, kind of exploring her character yeah. this time. I mean, she just is constantly playing both sides of the field this entire movie, and I think... I do think a lot of her lines can can go both ways, but I feel like that's just like appealing to Bruce's sense of like let someone else like take the reins on this so she can yeah get so that it doesn't last bit seem of like access. She wants like the power like I don't it. want this. Like you need to trust everybody with it and make him be like, well, I don't know, but I'll trust you because yeah. clearly you care a lot. He just needed that extra push. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm at Selena selling him out to Bane. What do you think about that choice? Not great. Why does she make that choice? What is she benefiting from? So she's like. He says, I know you can get me to Bane. Or I know you can get my friend to see Bane. Daggett says that, right? No, no, no. Bruce says that to Selena. You know, my friend, a.k.a. Batman. He wants to meet Bane. Can you help with that? Which she does, but it's like a trap. Does I? Did you watch the movie? No, I. I just always, I've always been a bit confused by this plot point. Like, is Selena does that because she like needs to get Bane off her back, right? She's like, this is the only way that like they would like leave me alone kind of. I don't know. But like, is that because she went after, like she like fucked over Daggett that they're like, Oh, well we're coming she after didn't you now. Really. But like she kind of did. I mean, he or ends she up tr- killing Daggett soon thereafter. Right. But she like tried. So is there, is this like retaliation? They're like, if you bring us Batman Maybe. or if you bring us yeah. like, but she like I don't feel she, like she's she on their radar really. I just don't know like what's going on with like that. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't I know think maybe I she's like miss. I want to be in their good graces. I guess. Yeah, it just so. seems like it's for a, a very specific reason. And I feel like I always miss something. Like no, why, I didn't how the that how the two factions became aware of each other's presence because Catwoman seems like she's operating on a scale that Bane should not even really be aware of you know they're they're not (laughs) their plan is not the same i also forgot that they take over like the wayne armory basically like i forgot that part that sucks 
That is because like, that's his question to Fox. He's like, as long as it's protected, like if Daggett takes over. Wayne I mean, Enterprise like is. it's just so much like insult to injury for Bruce at that yeah. time. Like it's not already bad enough that he just got betrayed by Selena, got his ass handed Lost to him Lost all of his money. Bane. Not that yeah. he really cares about that. He's broke. He, Lost Alfred. Yep. Like he is at, he's the lowest of the low. Well, not quite yet, but yeah, it's just like all that stuff. And he's like been presumably like Fox has probably been accruing even more stuff from Wayne R and D, even when Bruce hasn't been doing Batman stuff. Probably. Well, he says that he says, I've been putting everything under one roof right. to keep it protected. Yeah. And well, I just mean like everything under one roof, but he's probably like developed more stuff. Like even just been like, no, he he. They have a dialogue about no. this that they have all these subsidiaries that were government contracts, but they haven't been making any money this whole time. Right, but right. he has been consolidating them. Okay, yeah, pretty brutal. Um, even one Batmobile can be pretty problematic. So, you know, however many they had in there, because we see at least like three or four three of or them four, driving yeah. around Gotham later. So not in black. No, but I mean, fortunately, um, the Bat. He Never had it somewhere it into else. Bane's hands because that would have been. Yeah, there's no way out then. And then he breaks his back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a fight that you have issues with. Yeah. No, it's not this one so much as. I guess it's just I have the the climactic fight at the end. I think it's just kind of lame. This is like, I I do like this scene because, this is like Bruce's first time back in the ring and bane is going well probably the most physically intimidating enemy that he's ever fought because bruce's other villains throughout the series have not been physical you know mm-hmm. he's mostly yeah but not like razzle can fight but he's not like bane is like on another level because he can fight and he's also just like stronger than batman to right? you like <laughs> yeah well, definitely to me. <laughs> I don't think like Ra's al Ghul could fight. And I do think Ra's al Ghul is strong, obviously. Like he yeah, was, I know what you mean. But, um, like this would have been a problem for Bruce, like in his prime, let alone like this gap. He definitely is not trained enough. That leg brace is not doing enough. Like he has no cartilage left in any of his joints. Also, he forgot how to control his anger. Like you see in this fight, he's like the one going after him, like fight after fight after fight. Yeah. Or, like, whatever, like, punch after punch. He's, like, the one on the attack the whole time. Yeah, he's, he's wearing he's himself wearing out. he's wearing himself out, yeah. And it's, like, not how he was trained as, like, a ninja to be, like, I'm going to try and guess their move and, like, be patient, kind of. Like, you're supposed to my react. My surroundings. Yeah. It's, it's not great. And... He's lost himself. He really has. And he... You know, he is soundly defeated, tries to get the upper hand like he is going after Bane and tries to get the upper hand on Bane using some of his gadgets and shutting the lights off and stuff. But nothing in Batman's arsenal can beat this guy. No. Well, and because they are also trained in the same way. Yeah. And Bane's just better. Yeah. There's no chance. Again, even at his prime, Bane is better. Like, and I think that's the point, which yeah. is why I've never been upset that Batman's not as good at fighting. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, like, this is all Bane does. He should be better. Yeah. It would be like a plot hole if he wasn't good at fighting. Yes. Yes, it would. 
<sighs> he didn't have the luxury of taking an eight-year retirement. <laughs> Not that he would want to. I don't think he would know what to do with himself. So this is like, to me, the apex of the movie. Like, this whole first hour and 15 minutes is excellent. And I do really like all of the stuff with, like, the pit of despair. <laughs> but after, like, the football scene, Bane taking over Gotham and it going into, like, this dystopian, I don't like all that stuff. It's so long. That part's long and boring to me. That's probably my least favorite part of the movie, too. Um, it, it starts to drag because we have all this downtime where it's Blake rounding up people yeah. and we get those like new arrivals that yeah. show up to kind of take things over. And I, I get what they were trying to do. And I, I do think the idea of this like truly, cause we got it like a glimpse of like this closed off Gotham in the dark night when, you know, Joker makes these threats about the bridges and tunnels so nobody can leave. But this is like, it's way more real and we see how quickly it descends into chaos People like, you know, all the power is shut down and people are really like, this is, it is dark times for Gotham. People are really going through it. The idea is interesting, but the fact that some of his, so much of it happens without Batman there is like, what are we doing? Yeah. Or like if it was like kind of what I was suggesting about like making it a part one, part two, like they could have done even more with it and made it a little bit more exciting, like made this its own drama yeah like instead of it being like this 20 minute like truncated yeah eight months it's supposed to be like yeah it's it's a really long amount of time five months yeah um but there's still stuff that i like but i gotta say i i, I think uh <laughs> gotham sending their entire police department into the sewers which i think happens was that before or after Bruce is in the pit. It's like all at the same time. Or at the same time, because that's right before Bane does the football thing, too. Um, Like, (laughs) they're like, we're going to, we have all 3,000 people, send them all underground at the same time. Like, who is calling these shots? Absolutely abysmal. Yeah. But it's only, well, kind of Gordon, but Gordon was like, I've been saying this for months. Yeah. Like, if they had done that at any point, when Gordon was sounding the alarm, they waited until the worst possible second to do it. It's so stupid. Um, but I mean, when we see the the culmination of Bane's plan and I guess like his, what his collaboration with Daggett has resulted in, I mean, them laying the explosive laced concrete everywhere is like, that's a pretty, pretty wild plan yeah. to come and to like, fruition. All the bridges going out at the same time. And then like, there is like one bridge that's still active and they're like telling the outside world, like, no, you're going to keep them in because you don't want a bomb to go off. Yeah. That was, that was pretty crazy. The, the whole like dynamic between the Gotham police and the, I don't know who the other police were on the other side of the bridge Were the other Gotham police officers. No, they just like, it's like the federal. Yeah. It's like the army or, Oh, yeah. They're in, like, army fatigues. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked that. Or, like, the National Guard or whatever. Because it was, like, we don't have to be doing all this work yourselves. Like, Bane's mercenaries don't have to do it. The The threat is there for other people to have to agree to their demands, even though they're not really the ones in danger. The uh, 
we see Bane now wearing this sick ass coat. He's got this coat with the fur collar flipped up. Sherpa. Apparently it took two years to design this coat. <laughs> the, the costume designer was like, I worked for two years on it, which is kind of crazy. And it was supposed to be like a uh, amalgamation of like all the remote places that Bane like ended up like in his time traveling the world, all incorporated into one thing. I don't know about that, but um, he looks pretty cool. Yeah, well, again, why everyone wanted to go to, as him for Halloween. Right, yeah, and it's warm. Also, right before the football scene, you know, we have that kid singing the... the Which I love that they let him finish the song. Yeah, you know, just like, great job. out of kindness. And uh, Bane has this line where he's like, that's a lovely voice, or something like that. And apparently that was improvised by Tom Hardy. Nice. Which I love. Yeah, so he has this whole thing about somebody... A, a citizen of Gotham, a Gothamite, as I think he refers to them, has the trigger, is the trigger man. The trigger man. Does she count as somebody? She's not from Gotham. It's a stretch. It's a real stretch. I mean, the whole point is that no, like, well, no one in the know really believes that he just gave it to some random person. Right. Also, like, the idea of, like, some random person being like, yes, I'm in charge, and I will blow it up if somebody crosses the bridge. Like, why would it, it you, makes no sense. Yeah, like a random person's like, yeah, I agree with, with this plan. This sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, because I, I think we're under the impression that Miranda has like just recently appeared in Gotham, right? Oh, she's been working with Bruce for like so I at guess least three years. Yeah. How long do you have to live somewhere to be considered a right. citizen? <laughs> And I guess, like, this whole, it's like a suicide mission for them. Like, they're not planning on surviving it. But, like, then what's the point with the League? Like, the League of Shadows is supposed to rebuild among the ashes. Like, they need to get rid of Gotham so that they can, like, restore balance. But, like, if they're gone, there is no more League of Shadows. They're, like, Gotham is the only reason there's not balance in the world. And once we get rid of it for good, there will be no more need for the League of Shadows. <laughs> I mean, like in Batman Begins, the way that they talk about Gotham is like, yeah, there's everything else is good. Like, yeah, we've been we've been stepping into everybody's business for decades or centuries. And now it's just Gotham and now we're going to nuke it and uh, everything's fine. I, I don't know. I mean, no one has claimed that the League of Shadows' plans are good. They just are very stubborn. <laughs> the thing that kept coming to mind for me uh, throughout the movie, but mostly towards the end and all this stuff in the football scene is that I guess the league of shadows presents themselves as like, they're very much like an order. And it's like, we have, we have plans and like, we know what we're doing. Everything that we do has like a well-reasoned goal. And we don't just like go fuck shit up for no reason. I think it, that's yeah, part of the reason why they excommunicated Bane. It's kind of like, Doctor Strange's order, whatever that's called. Yeah. Um, something of the mystic arts. Yeah. Um, but to me, even though like I knew that there was an overarching plan, all this stuff with being like patrolling the streets and at least creating the illusion that the trigger for the bomb was being given to a random person, I was very much like, Bane is being an agent of chaos right now. And even though they don't ever mention or even invoke any of the Joker or his ideas, like, 
I feel like he would be living up to what the Joker wanted, like out of Harvey being like, you're just, you're coming in. And even though there was like an end goal, I think the Joker would have been able to see that like, yeah, you're working for the league of shadows and you say that you have this grand scheme, but at the end of the day, you're just like blowing up a city, Yeah, which is what he would probably want to do if he had the means and, you know, like cutting off the, the water and power and all this stuff. Like, that's just, like, you're letting people, like, kind of become... But their plan is, like, the one... To destroy Gotham is one plan, but the bigger plan is to get revenge on Bruce specifically. Yeah. So, like, the making Gotham suffer is to make Bruce suffer. That's true. So, I guess for that, yeah, not so much. But I just kept thinking that would be, like, such, like, an interesting way... Or that would be, like, an interesting place to see the character of the Joker, like, come back. If that had been an option for this movie and they didn't want to make him the main character, he definitely would have had an appearance in this whole sequence of, like, opening up the prisons and letting people out and, I don't know. But like, in like helping their plan or, like, seeming like he's going to help it but then do his own plan the whole time? I, I think that would be it. Or just kind of, like, exploiting the situation that Bane has created. Cause I don't, I don't think that no, no one would be able to account for someone like the Joker and what they would do in a situation yeah. like this. Cause it, it doesn't seem, it, it seems like it could be a lot worse. Cause like the vibe that I get is like, most people are just kind of like hunkering down and like trying to survive and not like, <laughs> you know, there's not like civil war breaking out on the streets quite yet, but the Joker being around would exacerbate everything. Also, these scenes are confirmation that post Batman Begins Gotham is literally just Manhattan. Yeah. When we get that aerial shot where all the bridges explode. It's just Manhattan. They're not even trying anymore. (laughs) Where is this prison? Where is the pit of despair? I have seen two ideas. Posited one, India. One Morocco. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> How does he get back to Gotham? Oh, in, boy. In hours. Look, that is, that is the question. How does Bruce Wayne <laughs> get This is my biggest problem with this movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, we, in the movie, we never get an answer. And if you Google this question, it's just all people... You know, it's just fan theories. And I don't think Christopher Nolan has ever... He's not the kind of person he, to address he has no these need things. To. Um, he's like, he's Batman. He's very resourceful. Let's see. So after Bruce escaped the pit, he somehow teleports back into Gotham, despite the fact that the only way into Gotham was heavily guarded and he had no access to his gadgets. How did he do it? Magic? This was posted 10 years ago. And, I think uh, somewhere like Morocco makes more sense than India because it's... To me, it seems like a place where women's head coverings is maybe not required, but like popular. Yeah. Which I know in India, some people do that, but it's not like necessarily like everyone. I guess it also seems like it's of a different time period. Yeah. I, I really don't know. Like, like, the flashback scenes seem like this was, like, 200 years ago. Yeah, but no. Which, maybe it was, because it's League of Shadows and they lived forever. That's true. 
I guess it could have been. I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, okay, but I love the story we get of them talking about the child and the the romance with Ra's al Ghul yeah. and all of that. I think it's so great. I think it's great how he says, but how did Bane do it? And no one corrects him, but they just say, they still say their story. Like they're going to say it. Yeah. And I don't know if they were told to do that or what. I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Yeah. I mean, they were clearly like under. Yeah. They're like, this is Bane's prison now. Yeah. I do really like that. I mean, I know I was I was bitching about the backstory earlier, but the the way that it's told here, and then in a relatively short time, you know, getting like the real and how you keep seeing the flashbacks, it's really good. Yeah, they give like so much character to this place that really could have just been like anything. Like they didn't just like throw Bruce in jail. It was like, no, we're gonna give this a sense of yeah I, history. I think it it works really well, even though it's like, where the fuck are we? Like, other than that, like this plot works well. And then I've never really paid attention to like this role of the, the blind guy, the doctor. Yeah. Until this one, but it seems like he's there. I couldn't tell if he was always there and was a doctor before. And then like, because he was in prison, he became like the prison doctor or he was brought in to be a doctor and then like was imprisoned afterward because of how he treated Handled Bane. Bane. And like it's his punishment. That's kind of, I think I, I would lean towards the second one is kind of like what it seemed like to me. But then but I don't. But, like, what was he supposed to do? Like, I don't just know. Just do a better job, I guess. I don't but know. But then he was, like, the one that made him the mask, I thought, to, like, hold back the pain. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems like he he tried to, like, heal him first. Fucked up the healing somehow. I mean, they don't they go it into so little matter. detail. Yeah. I, I would personally subscribe to, like, he messed up and then Bane in return for that. He was probably like, yeah, thanks for the mask, I guess. But still, like now I have to wear this for the rest of my life, so you get to stay down here. But they also said something about him like being addicted to pain meds or something like at the beginning or like selling pain meds. Did they? I missed. I swear they did. Can Apparently, you go I missed back to of, the script? Uh, so it says um, he was a prison. He was the prison doctor, a morphine addict who incurred the displeasure of powerful people, including your masked friend. Hmm. Describing the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, how? Many years ago, during a time of play, Bane was attacked by other prisoners. The doctor's fumbling attempts to repair the damage left him in perpetual agony. Okay, so he was an addict, which made him do a bad job fixing him. Yeah. And therefore, um, yes, I think he's in jail now because of that because of what he did to bane yeah yes but and I guess, I guess was blinded in the process yeah yikes he is blind right definitely okay. yeah yeah because <laughs> i don't think they ever say that no but just by looking at his eyes i mean i mean like like i was saying like i love the the background that we get on like the the residents of this place in such a short amount of time 
I'm still, I, I looked up a couple other things about Bruce getting back to Gotham. It's just, you know, there's so many people that are like, is this a plot hole? Like, and there's other people that's like, of course it's not a plot hole. Like, it's Bruce Wayne. He can, of course he'd manage to get back to Gotham. He's like the most resourceful person. I get that, but it's like, we're working in a short period of time here. So this person who's very uh, intent on convincing folks that it's not a plot hole. First, he says that in Batman Begins, an untrained and penniless Bruce Wayne is able to travel the world for years before meeting Ra's al Ghul. Sure. So he probably has some experience, you know, getting around, maybe like bribing or like working with people, like getting passage on ships and stuff. Bruce had close to three weeks to get back to Gotham. They said if... Oh, really? they, They said if you watch closely... Just after Bruce's second failed attempt at escaping the pit, it stated that there are several weeks until detonation of the bomb. They said three weeks, if they recall correctly. When Bruce gets back to Gotham, there's a day left. Yes. So he could have had several weeks to get back after he successfully escaped. Because it's not just that he has to get back to the United States. He has to get into Gotham, which is not possible, allegedly, at the moment. And then people said that, the special government agents. Yeah. Um, they smuggled themselves in. Right. So we could have done that. The that is Wayne, actually... I have less questions about how he got into sure. Gotham. Because he's But then like, also that, like, Wayne Manor. He could, he could go to Wayne Manor because that's outside the city. Like, he wouldn't have to go over the bridge or through any of the barricades. Really? Yeah, because... But it is in Gotham City limits. Well, <laughs> as he so sassily says to Harvey. Yes. Yeah, but it's like... They never show a map, but I think it's supposed to be like across, like, a river... Kind of like um, whatever part of New Jersey that is that's across like the GW from mm-hmm. Manhattan. Um, and one of the theories that I like, because obviously he could have just flown the bat in because that's not, that wasn't in the armory. He right. could have like called it. He well, also, yeah, he does get the bat in. Yeah. But the one that I like is that he learned to walk on ice from the League of Shadows. Yes. Well, you see him on the ice later. Yeah. I do like that theory. But him just, like, skulking across the ice in the dead of night. Yeah, him getting into Gotham, I feel like there's lots of ways that he knows how to get into Gotham. Yeah, but, but getting <laughs> from the pit back to the U.S., that's the bigger problem. The I, fact that he had a couple of weeks makes more sense, and, like, that's fine. I can accept him it. being, like, getting passage on a, on a, on a yeah. boat or a plane or something. Sure. So now we're in the last bit of the movie, which is still shockingly like 30 more minutes. And I'm like, we paused what is it. happening? I think we got food delivered and we paused it. We were like, what the hell? And it, I mean, it does go pretty quick. And we have like a lot of credits probably too. Yeah. So it is impressive. Like <laughs> the story just keeps going because I didn't know, have a ton of notes about it. Bruce but. makes his triumphant return, but then there's still all the stuff that they have to resolve. It's not just the bomb. It's, getting the police out of the sewers because they've been trapped down there for weeks and they've been delivering them food and water and stuff. Yeah. For a movie about a vigilante, it's a very pro cop movie. Yeah. I don't, and it seems like a a very big, like not that none of these movies are like anti-cop. They're not going to do that. But the dark Knight highlighted so much of like the hypocrisies of police and, like all like the dirty corrupt cops and stuff. And the, I don't know if it's just supposed to be because Gotham has become so much like cleaner and safer in the years since the dark Knight. And under commissioner Gordon. Right. But yeah, it's very much like, like they're the heroes of the story. And I get like, 
that's a nice moment when they're coming out of like they've been down there for a long time but i think it would have been more powerful once again to use the people of gotham and that they're the ones taking back their city like from these vigilantes i totally agree i think that's a missed opportunity like it interspersed with the police that's fine but then like the other story we're being told at the end is that there's so much wrong with like the, the systems including the police and that's why joseph gordon levitt throws out his badge at the end yeah so i don't know the the whole relationship with police is very complicated in these movies and it was just like such a heroic moment like when they're all in their uniforms and like police coming out in his like dress blues and stuff like that like i don't know i wasn't i didn't know what to take from that because in all of these movies we haven't been rooting for the cops and like now it's like okay yes we'll take the cops over the you know, mercenaries, <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I didn't really like it. I didn't, there's just, there, there's no consistency on like how we're supposed to feel about it. It's like, well, if, if they're being shown as the villains, then we're supposed to think they're the villains. If they're being shown as the heroes, then but like, what? I mean, I think it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt was supposed to be shown as the hero and he's still a cop at this point. So it's like, he's leading. Right. His but then army, like, but, but then like he quits the force. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they knew. They just needed, like, a force to go against this army of mercenaries because Batman couldn't do it himself, I guess. The best part of this whole sequence, though, is definitely seeing Scarecrow back. Oh, because yeah. he's clearly having the time of his life. Love we get him in every movie. He gets to preside over this court and just... The most consistent thing across these movies is Oh, yeah. Scarecrow. He just keeps coming back. Yeah, I mean, and he's... He's the only uh, person to reprise his villainous role this many times in any Batman movie, so he's he's doing well. And I just I know that it's because Christopher Nolan like loves this this actor. He just wanted to give him the opportunity to return, and I love that for him because this was just this was like a fun role. It makes sense that someone like him would take this opportunity, even if he doesn't have his fear toxin or anything. Bruce does have enough time to put a bat symbol on the bridge in uh, oil. Like, I know we just talked about how he had weeks to get back, but like you get back with a day left before a nuke goes off and that's what you spend your time doing. Like, you know, someone like saw him up there. He's like, Batman, come help us. Everyone needed a symbol. He's like spraying gasoline on the wall. Needed a symbol. Yeah. Yeah, they did. I'm at the twist. I skipped ahead. I didn't have a whole lot on all this business. Yeah, let me make sure that I don't Well, did you want to talk about the fight in the street? Yeah. So, of all my... All the times that I've, like, complained about the fighting in this movie, I think this... All boils down to climactic confrontation is the dumbest thing in this movie. One, like we just talked about, we have the entire Gotham City police force uh, doing somewhat well after spending a month living in the sewers all ready to go like 3000 people with guns. They all still have their pistols, right? Going against Bane's mercenaries also pretty heavily armed. They do have tanks and rifles. So they're, they're outgunning the police. The police still have guns, but you wouldn't know it because they all lead in a charge. Like we're back in like, the Roman empire days, they all put down their guns and just start punching the mercenaries in the face. And even Foley using his gun is just like standing out in the open. And of course, like gets mowed down by 
Talia once she leaves, but I'm like, what are we doing? It's very like, civil war. You're cops. Like, just go like hide behind a or go on top of a building and just pick people off. I know it's like for the climactic thing, and then the line that oh that people really hate because people I don't think I'm the only person that has the problem with the dialogue in this is when Bane's like, oh, so you've come back to die with your city. And Batman's like, no, I came back to stop you. <laughs> and people are like, that is the, like, there's nothing witty. There's, Bane's line was good. Bane's line is great. Um, this was just, like, weak, though. Like, this is not a good one-liner. It wasn't clever. It was, like, the the base template for, like, I'm coming back as a hero. Though I've seen alternatives, people trying to fix this movie. The one that I like is that instead of saying, I've come back to stop you, Batman would be like, if that's what it takes. Like, it just needed a little extra oomph. Yeah. And then I do think this final fight between Batman and Bane, I don't like it. It's just kind of like, they're just like, like it makes sense the way that Bane fights, but they're both just like throwing these big punches. It doesn't last very long. And then it's just like when Bane gets his mask cut, it's like, it's all over. I'm like, this just... It's anticlimactical. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe part of me is just used to, like, these, like, big, like, maybe over-choreographed, like, fight scenes. And this Batman, especially now, is not, like, an acrobatic Batman. So, like, I get it. But it's just kind of, like, underwhelming. And I, I do like the uh, the setting of it because it's not, like, it's rare that it's not happening at night and it's, like, amongst, like, all this chaos and stuff. It's cool, but I just feel like... Um, for like the last big fight scene that we get with this Batman, it's a bit of a letdown. Like it's, this is not him at his full potential. Like I wanted to see him like truly like overwhelm Bane with like his smarts, like use more of his gadgets and stuff. Like, you know, let's throw some batarangs. Like it's just, but he, the whole point is that he can't, I know. Do, he can't I, like I get it for the story. Like I, I, I really do. But at the same time, I'm like, this is like the send off for this guy. So like, I wish it was like a bit more, a bit more showy, but maybe that's just preference. Story wise. I kind of love that it's anticlimactical because the whole point to me is that you think Bane is this overpowering, intimidating person that can't be beat. But that's been a facade, this whole movie. And down to this part where Vane is like, but you were broken. I broke you. To me is saying like, Bane is still broken. Bane is still down in like that pit. Like he never did what Batman did. He never made the climb. He never rose. And like, so him like kind of being beaten and he seems so vulnerable in this part. Where, oh, yeah. He's, like, like his crying. Ma- yeah, his mask is broken. Like, he can't do anything. Like, he can't even speak. And, like, he's so weak. And it didn't take that much yeah. to get him to that point. I think it's so great storytelling. And then, like, of course, uh, Talia literally stabbing him in the back is, like, so good to be, like, Bane wasn't. He wasn't the real threat. Yeah, he wasn't a threat I, at all. Like, I, I do really like it, and it tells you so much about Bane's 
like who he really is yeah in, in a very short amount of time like that line about him like which this is the first time i've really noticed it, is him being like but but you were broken like i broke you like what what happened yeah like how did you come like, back yeah, like i couldn't do this like how could you do this yeah um, yeah. I don't know. I just really liked it. And just him not really being that strong. And I don't know. I just, and like, obviously the twist is so good. And, and her being like, this is my friend. Like he took care of yeah. me, but like, you know, I'm, I'm the one. The I got, I got out. Like, yeah, I, I'm the child. Right. Like I, it works really well for the story. And I, I love the twist. So for me, the fight scene is just like personal preference. And we still get a big action scene at the end here with, like, the we do. We truck do. and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is a very, like, callback to, like, the chases of the yes. first two movies. So, and, yeah, the, the Talia stuff is really cool. Um, she's, like, literally, she, like you said, literally stabs in the back and then literally twists the knife because, like, it wasn't enough that, like, she just double-crossed him. It was, like, she, like developed this like intimate like romantic relationship with him and like really just she's been plotting it for five eight years or yeah like she 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 got to him like so deeply that it was like you know this guy's got like severe trust issues (laughs) like he just maybe got over his last uh romance you know, eight years after his romantic partner died and he was not, he was not ready for this. And he doesn't really say much after he gets stabbed. Uh, he just kind of have a look of shock on his face I, for several reasons. I think it's stunned silence. And also he literally just got stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be talking too much. Now, as much as I will compliment this whole twist and stuff, I don't buy her motive. I, we're, she just says, like, I could never forgive my father until you killed him. And I, I guess that's just, like, I've got daddy issues. And, like, like, and you're like, you took away my chance of ever mending it, kind of. That's how I, I took guess. it. It was like, like, maybe or like, like, I would have been the one to kill him if anything, right. maybe. Like, I don't know. It's like, the closure, one way or another, was not on her terms anymore. And yeah. she blames him for that. But, like, I wanted more on her wanting to pick up this mantle of destroying Gotham. Because, again, like, thinking about her lines earlier, like, part of it does seem genuine. Like, this want of a better world of restoring the balance. Like, I think it is stuff that she believes in. But it's, like, she's also just, like, filling in her dad's shoes. But, like, I don't know. I just, as much as that, like, twist was so good and I do think it was earned like I would have just liked a little bit more information on how she got to this point and like what where is it her dad's plan ending and her plan beginning yeah I think a bit more on that would have been good too I guess that that's the kind of thing that probably suffered because this was a twist it was like there was no there's no time or opportunity to go into detail and she gets a little villain speech but yeah, but it can't be, like, too long because of, like, they're they're really, like, they're running down the clock here. So, yeah, if it hadn't been set up as, like, you know, a, a twist, you know, we're, it's a three-hour movie and we get this reveal when there's 20 minutes of it left, it, it kind of suffers. And I, I think it, her character would be, um, it would benefit a lot from a bit more explanation because I do agree that it's, it's a little murky 
like what her true goals are. Because I, f- I feel like it would be important for it to be like, I don't want to do exactly what Ra's al Ghul did, but like my interpretation of his will in her own way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the moment after Talia has her villain speech and is like, peace out. I'm going to go activate this bomb or make sure that uh, Gordon can't stop it. And uh, she's like, you'll get to you'll get to witness this. But Bane's like, we both know that I have to kill you. right? <laughs> like, you can imagine the fire. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very funny. funny. Yeah. Just kind of him being like, you know what? Nope. Like, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want on my own terms yeah. for once. But no. <laughs> I do like that it do- it is Catwoman that saves him. I know you said you don't really like them partnering up, but it is like, it's payback for her. It's like the three of them again from that, you know, yeah. other scene. Yeah. So. And uh, we, we commented on, like, she's like, I don't have the same feelings on you do about guns. I wonder if she'd be like, but why do you have, like, cannons installed on your motorcycle, right. man? <laughs> They're his she, guns. Like, she, yeah, she murdered Bane with no problem. Yeah, a kind of anticlimactical death for Bane. I was but... really mad about that when I first saw this. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, Catwoman killed Bane? But it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then so we get this, like race to the bomb she has a final trick up her sleeve where she floods out the system pretty um, sneaky i kind of am sad at how little lucius is in this me too movie and like his parts are so practical and they're not like fun at all yeah like, he w- he got to do so much fun stuff in the dark night yeah and he was yeah he was like a very entertaining character and i the, he doesn't even have any like comedic lines no just like the story of this like didn't give him there was so little, was like, Wayne Enterprise and stuff. Yeah. And it was only the reactor, and that was more on Talia rather than Fox. So it is what it is. But, yeah, he his comedic presence was certainly missed. Um, I'm just glad that none of these supporting characters died. Can I just say that? Like, I can't believe how few people died in this movie. Right. Like, Gordon probably should have died. No. You can't Somebody that. should have died. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like it was, I mean. Foley dies. Yeah, I don't care about Foley. I'm not mad. It just seems like this kind of movie would be the kind of movie that would kill off like one of these supporting characters for a like, dramatic effect. But I'm fine with it. Don't, you know, let us think that Bruce is dead. That's probably enough. Yeah, so this is, to me, the perfect way to end a superhero movie. Because you don't. You're not killing him. You're killing the superhero, not the yeah. real person. And But it ends it. It puts a kibosh on it. It's kind of like the Captain America ending yeah. a little bit. I mean, like, I really... Like he gets a happy ending without continuing to be the superhero. Yeah. And, like, I really love it. But, like, like I said, it can be, like, kind of hard to justify Bruce ever, like, putting it down and being fine with it. I guess it's kind of, like, the everything in Gotham is... I could say, like, it's resolved. Like, things are good. Um, but it's kind of like the idea of, like, Peter Parker could never stop voluntarily being Spider-Man because he would, like, you know, the whole, like, responsibility thing, he would feel guilty if anything happened uh, on account of him, like, deciding to not be Spider-Man anymore. And that's, I think that's a hard thing to pull off. And that's why, like, Peter Parker always gets killed. <laughs> 
Because they're like, we can't have him retire. Yeah. And every time he does retire, they like bring him back and then. But that's why I mean, like this was done so perfectly. Yes. Like they, they really did a good job of that. Um, I forgot. I was going to say this other thing about Talia's motive. I, I feel like it's implied at the beginning of this movie that like Gotham is better off. Like they're doing well. Like the crime is really low, but then maybe what we're supposed to believe is that it's not as good as they're saying it is because of like Anne Hathaway's world. But like, if we're taking it for base value, like the whole reason that they were going to destroy Gotham in the first movie was like, it was super corrupt. There were all of these issues and there was no way to fix the corruption. It was like that deep, but now it feels like there is no corruption other than the heartbeat didn't right. cover we're, up. We but just, yeah. We're kind of getting like two stories, like Selena being like, things are really bad and you just don't know about it versus like, but the movie also seems we're to be trying to tell us like shown it's like bad. Yeah. Other than like that they're covering up why right. Harvey really died, but like that's for like the better like Right. Like, for the greater good. It seems like all the mob stuff is like gone. Yeah. Like, I don't... So I, if I'm believing it on face value that it is better, like there is no more corruption for the most part in Gotham. Like it just gives Talia even less motivation to continue. Ra's al Ghul's work because it's like there's no need for She's the just like, League of Shadows other than like we've always wanted to do this and we're gonna we're gonna do what? it. Yeah, like out of a sense of obligation almost. Like I get her wanting revenge on Bruce for doing that, but like I don't know. I just I wanted her to have a motive outside of just revenge, I guess. Yeah. I think it needed the plan needed some tweaking based on what the movie's been telling us about Gotham and how it's how it's improved and yeah the the plan as it was doesn't really make sense anymore because the the corruption is not so deep-rooted anymore yeah that it doesn't need to be and then again her wanting her planning on dying with it uh, just further proves that like she had no greater plan than just to destroy Gotham yeah it's not but maybe that's also kind of like pointing out that like the the League of Shadows is like self like description of being like the arbiters of society and being like a force of like change and stuff. It's all just like bullshit. I mean, yes, it can still be that, but like, it's just even more like there is no League of Shadows now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, it's a little thin. I just forgot. That's the other thing I was going to say with that. Um, Do but. you find uh, Talia's death scene bad? Yeah. Because people... <laughs> I don't like the little head thing that happens. She was... She's, like, talked about it. She's like, I wish people, like, would... Because yeah. she's, like, a good actor. She's like, I feel bad, like, being defined by a scene like that sometimes. Oh, I don't think it defines her, but, I, no. yeah, I don't love it. Because in her quote, I think she was like, sometimes, like, you, you wonder, like, why did they use that take or something? <laughs> and I really... I don't know if it's... Uh, it's not her fault, because I'm assuming they did better takes... But I don't know. Christopher Nolan decided to use that take for some reason, and everybody was just like, "Yeah, her just slumping over." It's so like hammy. Yeah. I was like, nobody who dies like that. But we get the best moment of all of the movies, which is it's, our I, our opening quote. I chose the opening quote because I love when he says this to Gordon, and Gordon's the only one that still doesn't. <laughs> Bruce Wayne is Batman. And it's just so sweet. It's really sweet. And they even do the little flashback scene, which I love. I was tearing up. I mean, it's it's sweet. 
Blake is probably like, you didn't know? <laughs> like, you've, you've worked with Batman for how long? Yeah, I really, I really love that. I mean, it, Gordon is just, like, the best, like, one of the best supporting characters, and him, like, getting this little moment. Yeah. Like, kind of, like, being the one to, to have this send-off, and, you know, he, he was so staunchly in favor of, like, he didn't really care. Yeah. Like, Blake was always the one being, like, well, people aren't going to know who did it, and even after this, like, after Bruce's, quote-unquote, like, funeral and they're like, well, we, we're not going to tell people. Like, they're not going to know. And Gordon is still like, they're going to know. Like, it was Batman. It doesn't It yeah. doesn't matter. He didn't want people to celebrate Bruce Wayne. Right. <laughs> no, no. It, yeah, it's just, it, it just goes because back to the... Because he hates himself. <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, but, man, uh, sad, sad Alfred, you know, that hurts. Oh like, we didn't, we don't see him for like an hour plus and like, he... You he know he's he's, he's got to be feeling real bad about that. He does. He says he blames himself. Because he's already like in that in the argument. He's like I've buried too many Waynes already, and now it's just like. And I guess he thought like by leaving he wouldn't be enabling him anymore, but he knew he was gonna go and do it anyway. But like him being there wouldn't have been good. Like no. I'm glad he. Everyone needs to leave Gotham. Yeah, like just <laughs> just let it go, y'all. But so it made me very happy when Bruce was revealed to not be dead. The the whole thing, though, when he brings the nuke out over the bay, and we later find out that Bruce had fixed the autopilot, there's, like, a shot of him in the cockpit of the bat, like, seconds before the bomb goes off. And no, that's... you don't see him. You see the clock that's going down from five seconds. Well, before that, there is a yeah. shot of Bruce, like, flying it. He is in it, but then he had... Uh, presumably I know. Ejects it's so sneaky though, because it looks he's so far out there, and it seems like there's. And then they do show like, the clock. Yeah. But like I think he's not there when they showed the clock in that lens. I think so too. I think it's just. It's of course, a, it's a very good fake up, but it, it, to me it was like, well, he was like so close to a nuclear explosion in the middle of the water. Like, how did he get up? But it doesn't matter. It's, it's fucking. Yeah. It's Bruce. He, it is like a he six. Did it. But I guess it's also in the water, which. He, you know. Even if he, he wanted to Bruce stay finds in a way. the plane, they could have just, like, cut the cord and let it, you know, drop in the water down six miles. Had to had to look real. They, people had to think Batman was dead. Yeah. But what a, what a great moment. Yeah, so, good and movie. We get, and we get, yeah, the sweet little moment with Alfred seeing Bruce and Selina in, in yeah. Florence. Yeah. I don't care that he's with Selena. Like, well, no, that no, just I could care less about their relationship if I'm being honest. It just made me happy for from like right. okay, he's happy with her, I guess. Right. Yeah, no, I don't. That that doesn't really do anything for me. But then I'm excited about Zoe. We, and then we get the ending with with Blake. Yes, Robin. His legal name. Does that was that his? So he goes by John Blake. Is his first name Robin? I think it's Robin. John Robin John Blake. Blake. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure people have their own little headcanons on what he's gotten up to after this. But if Gotham really doesn't need a Batman anymore, like, what's he, what's he going to do? They always will need a Batman. That's true. Or a Robin. I love it. Yeah. Love some Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Miss him. I mean, I guess he's still doing stuff. Keep getting an ad for something. He's like the Uber CEO in some oh, show, yeah. isn't he? 
whatever. <sighs> but yeah, really great ending. And I, I know for a lot of people like this, this wasn't like the, the best example of how to end a trilogy, but you know, if you haven't seen it in a while and you're not sure how you feel about it, like give it, a, give it a rewatch and let us know what you think. Cause I think, um, given like what they had to work with and, and unexpected, you know, the, the unexpected death of Heath Ledger and having to probably like reroute whatever story they were planning to tell, and also, like, end the story of this version of Batman. I think they did a really good job. Because, like, you know, a lot of my feelings on this have just been over time. When I first saw this movie, I fucking loved it. And it wasn't until, like, after I thought about it for a while that I started to see, like, some of the cracks. But on its own, like, really great Batman movie. I mean, I remember liking it, but I still always held a candle for the Batman Begins. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple more fun facts that I haven't uh, tied in. A couple of them I, I threw in there. But one, because we were just talking about Catwoman, uh, Anne Hathaway, if Sam Raimi had made a Spider-Man 4 with Tobey Maguire, would have been Black Cat. Oh, that's funny. So she's really just drawn to cat-based characters. I think she would have been a great Black Cat. That would have been... They're very similar in this movie, like yeah. how she's portrayed... And that, like. that movie probably would have come out like roughly around the, maybe a little bit sooner than this. Uh, I think like 2010 was, it was supposed to come out. What? Oh, the Sam Raimi one. I was like, but didn't the Andrew Garfield one come out in 2012? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they had like started making, started working on Spider-Man four and then it like fell apart and they kind of, yeah, they started over. But somewhere. they had cast Felicia in the third one. They already had a black cat. Not in the same Raimi movies. Oh, right. That was in the They, they had Dakota Johnson. No, right, yeah. Right. In like a bit part. Um, one thing that the first piece of trivia listed on IMDb, I think is wrong. It's, it says that there was like a Christopher Nolan talked about a possibility of bringing back the Joker through like CGI and like old footage. And there were, I like looked into it and there are so many rumors from like 2010 talking about this, but like that does not seem like Nolan's style yeah. at all. And he because does everything like real. Right. And like, because they went out of their way to like not even mention the Joker in this movie. And I think that was done out of respect to Heath Ledger being like, we're not like, we're just like moving on and you know, we're not going to revisit this because he's not with us anymore. Yeah. That would be very bad. So thankfully that, did not come to fruition. And my favorite other bit that I saw about this was back when the movie was being shot, they were filming in Pittsburgh in 2011, and there was a wedding happening right next to the production set. <laughs> and so they were out on the street, and they were blowing stuff up. So there were constant explosions and gunfire like, while this wedding was going on. I would on. be pissed. Um, and I, they felt really bad about it. So Tom Hardy, like, just showed up, like, at the wedding, like, in full costume. And they were, like, apologizing because we were like, look, we didn't know. Like, we were just filming here. And this was just, like, really bad timing because we're doing all of these stunts today. And uh, the producers were really nice about it. And they brought the Batmobile 
over to the chapel and they took pictures. I was going to say, like, that's nice of Tom Hardy, but they wouldn't have known who that was because, like, that was that was a new character. No, but they were probably like, oh, cool, because they, they must have yeah. known, like, what was shooting. I mean, it's a good story shooting. after the fact. After the, the fact, time. for sure, but, yeah, during the movie, but, like... There's, like, video of them. Like, it's, like, how fun. I hope they were fans of The Dark Knight or something. But pretty cool either way. That's funny. Yeah. I just I just loved that. That's pretty much all I got. Great. Well, I think we'll probably wrap up there. Um, next week is our one-year anniversary, so we have something special planned for that, a movie we've talked about a lot. Can you believe it? Um... And then after that, we're watching The Batman. Yeah. I cannot wait. And we're going into this with all the knowledge of the ones that have come before. And it's going to be very exciting. So if you are listening to this, we would love it if you could drop us a review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Yeah, wherever you get your podcasts. Really help us out. Tell your friends. Yeah. If you're enjoying it and you think others might. Just let them know. We would love that. And until next time, we are out of the superverse. superverse.